and I've done some of this with you before, but it's always good. I want to refresh it, and so I just jotted this down before it came out. Um, to understand, I believe, to understand fully Bible prophecy, to understand the parables and the meaning of them in the New Testament, you have to have the key to the Old Testament. So we're going to look at the key of the Old Testament, and time willing, well, we're not going to go too deep into these, because these would take at least one per night. Um, we'll maybe do another one next week. We'll see how we get on, but I want to look briefly at some of the... I want to show you the key, and then we're going to look and open the key, open the door of some of the New Testament parables with the key. Will you turn with me to 1 Kings, please? Chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. Beginning to read a verse 1. We are going to read quite a bit. 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 1 says, But Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Now it's not a mixture to love, isn't it? Here's an Israelite who knows and loves and is blessed of Yahweh, the, the Lord God Jehovah. Notice Solomon loved them, and there's a Pharaoh. What? Notice the, the daughter of Pharaoh, the Moabite and the Ammonite uh, are the, the daughters, and the people, the peoples coming from them are of Lot. The ancestral relationship that Lot had with his daughters, and that's what he was, Solomon brought into Israel. And then, of course, there's the, the Edomites. We all know the Edomites from Esau. And the Zidonians. We hear later of Ahab and Jezebel and the Zidonian worship on the, on the Mediterranean coast there where Tyrus was. And that's where the Lord says to, his, uh, to the prophet Ezekiel, speaking to the king of Tyrus, thou wast in the garden of God. You were in Eden, speaking of the spirit behind him. This is Zidonian. This is where Jezebel was from. She was from Zidon. She was a Zidonian. And then, of course, the Hittites, another enemy of the people of Israel. Solomon brought them all in, loved all their wives. And guess what happened? They brought all their gods. And he had to then water down his own beliefs. Now, here's the man who's more wisdom than anyone else. I wonder where it is at this point. I wonder where it is. And sometimes we think we're wise and we become fools. It says, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. Instead of cleaving unto the Lord, he clave unto their gods through their wives. And he had 700 wives. My word. <laughs> My goodness. 700 mothers-in-law. I'm saying nothing, my mother knows here, so. <laughs> Princesses and 300 concubines. They don't make men like Solomon anymore, so they don't. And wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart. Now notice, this is important, of David his father. For what we're going to, you're going to hear something now of what happens, and it's because of David, the mercies there. Okay, David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. 
Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. Can you, remember, can you imagine how many idols were in Israel this time? Can you imagine that? Now notice verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. Now wouldn't you think if the Lord appeared unto you twice, you would follow hard after him? That no matter how many tried to take your heart, no matter how many wives tried to take your heart or concubines, it wasn't the heart, it was the flesh. You know what it was? They, they turned his heart. It was the lust rather than the love. And he just fell for all of these. You think if the Lord appeared unto you twice, that you'd say, no, Jehovah is my God. Yah is my God. And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely underline this. This is very important. Here's your key starting to, starting to take form and shape now. I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. Notice he's going to rend it and give it to his servant, Solomon's servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. So let's just pause as we go through this. So Solomon has committed the sin here. The Lord, because of David his father, he says, I'm going to rend the kingdom from you. But not because, because of your father. I'm not going to take it from you personally. But it's going to go on to your son. The curse will go on to your son. Notice this then he says. Verse 13. How be it I will not rend away all the kingdom. So now he's going to leave some. But will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake. And for Jerusalem's sake which I have chosen. And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite. He was of the king's seed in Edom. For it came to pass when David was in Edom, and Joab, the captain of the host, was gone up to bury the slain after he had smitten every male in Edom. For six months did Joab remain there with all Israel until he had cut off every male of Edom. That Hadad fled, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him to go into Egypt. And Hadad, or Hadad being yet a little child, and they rose out of Midian, came to Paran, and they took men with them out of Paran, and they came into Egypt. And the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, which gave him a house and appointed him victuals and gave him land. Now, for time's sake, let your eye run down. Verse 23. God stirred him up another adversary, Rezin, the son of Eliada, which fled from his lord Hadadazer, king of Zobah. And he gathered men unto him and became captain over a band when David slew them of Zobah. And they went to Damascus and dwelt therein and reigned in Damascus. And he had an adversary, pardon me, he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon. Beside the mischief 
that Hadad did, and he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. So what happened now is there's already one to the south in Egypt, here's your enemy, one to the north in Damascus and Syria. So you're north and south, they had these enemies. God's starting to stir them up because they're walking away from God. Now you notice here when we get to verse 26, and Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the Ephrathite of Zareda, Solomon's servant. Notice Jeroboam, Solomon's servant. Remember the Lord said he was going to rent it, give it to his servant. This is him. Whose mother's name was Zariah, a widow woman. Even he lifted up his hand against the king, so he started to rebel. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo and repaired the breaches of the city of David, his father. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. That's very important because the house of Joseph um, is really the names of the sons of Joseph for Ephraim and Manasseh that he had in Egypt. And that's remember Jacob crossed his hands and blessed them, the sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. One would be fruitful and one would be a great nation. One would be a, a father of a company of nations. So you remember that promise was on them. So the promise of them, their name becomes known as Joseph. They're the sons of Joseph. And when Israel are in the promised land, they become the, the, the name of the whole, later on they become the name of the whole northern area. So that, they, they actually took up most of that northern area of the land of Israel. And it became known as Joseph. Okay, so it's very important that. Verse 29, And it came to pass that at the time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they two were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. So, so here Jeroboam is out walking with his new coat on, his new garment. Ahijah is a prophet who comes and takes his coat off him and rips it into 12 pieces. You'd have something to say, wouldn't you? Rips it into 12 pieces of cloth. And notice what happens here. Verse 29. No, sorry, verse 31, pardon me. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee 10 pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give 10 tribes to thee. Now, do you notice that this is the prophecy coming to pass that the Lord said, I will do it, but I'm not take it out of your hand, Solomon, but out of your son's hand. And I'm going to give it to your servant. So now Jeroboam, the servant, is given 10 pieces out of the 12. And the Lord says, I'm giving you 10 pieces. <coughs> notice this for 10 tribes. Verse 32. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. And the, the one tribe is Judah. David came from Judah. Verse 33. Because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtaroth, and the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments, as did David his father. How be it? I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I choose. Because he kept my commandments and my statutes, 
but I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it on, give unto thee even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe that David, my servant, may have a light all the way before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen to put my name there. So here you have David's tribe as Judah. Now there's going to be another tribe given with it. The two pieces out of the twelve that are left, which becomes Benjamin, we later read this. Benjamin and Judah make up the, what's known as the southern kingdom of Judah. So we're going to look at this in a moment. But coming in, this is the key, the prophecy. A lot of people miss this. A lot of people don't realize this key is there to open up the parables to what they really mean. Let's read on just a little bit more. Verse 37. I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shall be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and I will walk in my ways, and do that which is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. Solomon sought, therefore, to kill Jeroboam. And Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. So here, the Jeroboam obviously has said, I'm getting the kingdom that's going to be rent from you. Solomon says, time you were gone. Tries to kill him and he flees into Egypt. Let's go to chapter 12, verse 1. And Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. It came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. And they sent and called him and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy fathers made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, and come again to me. And all the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, and they had, that which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him, and he answered unto them, What counsel gave ye me, gave ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put on us later. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him thus, Thou shalt speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy. But make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now whereas my father did lead you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke, My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So here Solomon has died. Rehoboam. Don't get Jeroboam and Rehoboam mixed up. Jeroboam is the servant. Rehoboam is Solomon's son. Now comes the time of the rending, of the separating. And he goes to the old man and he says, what's your counsel for these people? Take it easy on the people. In other words, see the taxes and, and all of those, take it easy on them. 
So he goes to the young man, what do you say? You know what to do? Get stuck into them. You know? That's what he's saying. Make it harder for them. You, you threaten them and they'll, they'll, they'll bow down before you. You'll be like a tyrant to them. You know, this is what the young man, full of zeal. And there's, a, there's something for us, especially I'm now in that stage. I've, I got an, a, a man phoned me and he's well in his 80s. And he phoned me and he left a message for me yesterday. He knows me he's from way up around the Balamine area. And he wanted me just to do something about a meeting for him. And, and he phoned and left a message. Is this young Ken Davidson here? And I says, well, I'm 53 next week. And I haven't been called young in a long time now. And he's well into his 80s, this man. So I phoned him and I said, haven't been called young Ken for such a long time. And he says, well, you're young to me. I says, well, I'm glad. <laughs> so sometimes when, well, when you're my age, there's so many younger men than me now. And when I was younger, I, I, I felt, you know, you're so full of zeal, which is good. To listen to the older men sometimes, as long as they're not trying to quash, squash and quench your fire, but at the same time, I used to listen to them and, and think, those old boys, sure, what do they know? But yet there's so many years of experience in the Word and the experience in the Lord, experience in the Spirit and the things of the Spirit and the operation of the Spirit. And, and, and there have been so many meetings and so many uh, tent revivals. You know, uh, they've seen so many people saved and you know, they've seen healings and, and giftings of the Holy Ghost in you know, operation. And they were able to tell me. And I remember one I used to sit and he's gone now, he's dead now, but I used to sit and listen to him and, and I used to think, oh, what does he know? And I used to sit with the younger ones because they were more fiery. And then I realised got into more trouble because the, the, the attitude maybe wasn't just matured enough. And it's always something for us to keep in mind that not to put the younger people's fire out, but really to help them to know how to burn brighter in the right way and to do that, to encourage them. And for the younger people to listen to the older ones in the Lord because they could actually guide them and help them. And maybe even, I would call it, harness the power and harness the spirit and guide them the right direction. These men didn't listen. Verse 12 says, So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day. The king appointed them, saying, Come to me the third day. And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel they gave them. Listen, verse 16, time's sake. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now I see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed to their tents. But as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the tribute and all, Israel stoned them with stones. So now he goes after them and he says, go out and collect their taxes. And they say, is that right? Stoned them with stones. And it says in verse 19, so Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. And it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called unto him, unto the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed. Notice, Underline it, there was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. Now the light tribe comes, which is Benjamin. Here's something you'll find in the New Testament. The Lord says, I will give another tribe as a light always before David. Benjamin means son of my right hand, but the tribe of Benjamin became known as the light-bearing tribe. Now when Jesus comes on the scene years later, and he goes into Galilee. 
Peter, Andrew and James and John and all of those men, almost all of them, maybe except for uh, Matthew, who was a tax collector of Levi, the tribe of Levi, and Judas Iscariot, all of the other disciples were from the area of Benjamin, where all the Benjamites had settled. They were mainly of the tribe of Benjamin. The Apostle Paul later, it was called by the ascended Lord, he was off the tribe of Benjamin too. They're the ones who went out and shone forth the gospel, the light-bearing tribe. So you see God's plan already in this. So stay with me. I know it's a lot of reading, but it's very important that we do this. Um, verse 21. And when Jeroboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin, a hundred and four score thousand chosen men, which were warriors, to fight against the house of Israel. Notice the two houses here. There's your key. Okay? That's the key. Let's read it again. When Rehoboam, that Solomon's son, was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin. You see that? And hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors, to fight against the house of Israel. So Israel were fighting Judah. From then on, the house of Israel, they are the ten pieces, the ten tribes, they never become called they were never called Jews. So, for example, go with me to Second Kings just for a moment. Chapter 16. Second Kings. I'm trying to remember this off. Yeah, Second Kings chapter 16. And verse 5. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king of Israel. Here's two kings, king of Syria and the king of Israel. Now notice this. Came up to Jerusalem to war. Where are the Israelites going to war? Against Jerusalem. And they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. At that time, Rezin king of Syria recovered Elath to Syria and drove the Jews from Elath. And the Syrians came to Elath and dwelt there unto this day. Here we have, the. if you read on down there as well, this is the very first mention in the Bible of the word Jews. J-E-W-S. Very first mention. It's a derivative name that comes from Judah. You get Ju- Judas from it. Later, Judea from it. And who are the Jews fighting? Israel. Isn't that strange? It says it in the Bible, doesn't it? Now watch. Go back to our reading, please. 1 Kings chapter 12. So they go at this point, at the, at the initial breakup of the kingdom, they go to fight with each other, the house of Judah and the house of Israel go to fight with each other. They're all brethren, but they go to fight. And 1 Kings 12 and verse 23. Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. This is, the Lord says this to Shammai, the prophet. Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, saying to the remnant of the people, 
saying, Thus saith the Lord, ye shall not go up and fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. And they hearkened therefore to the word of the Lord, and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. So they're going to fight with each other, and the Lord says, That's your brethren. This is from me. Don't fight with each other. So there's your key, the two houses. So now, instead of reading an awful lot more into that, that's where the key is, okay? So I'm going to show you the use of the key at the minute. For example, the prophets of Israel then in the Old Testament, what you'll find is you have two timelines. Two timelines. You have the prophets, you have Israel as a, as, a, as a full kingdom, then separated into the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You have a timeline of kings from Jeroboam in the north in Samaria. Samaria becomes the capital of the northern kingdom. Jerusalem is always the capital of the southern kingdom. And in there you have the line of David. So the line of David is the chosen line of Judah. But in the north, the Lord says, I'll make you king and you'll be ruler over them. But Jeroboam and all the kings, every single king of Israel, of the northern kingdom, were wicked before the Lord. Every single one of them. Now, most of the ones in Judah were, but there were some good ones in, in the southern kingdom. So in the north, here we have two kingdoms. They're known as two houses, two sisters, two sticks, two sons, and they're two men. That's what they're known as throughout the scripture since that. Two, 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 two. You have a line of prophets to the north. You have a line of prophets to the south. Let me show you. So the northern, the prophets to Israel are the northern kingdom. For example, Jonah. No, Jonah was swallowed by the big fish, the whale. He was a prophet. Turn with me for a little verse, Second Kings chapter 14, just over the page. They mention him. Second Kings, or pardon me, over over the next book in 2 Kings 14. And verse 25, they mention Jonah. He restored the coast of Israel from entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain according to the word of the Lord God of Israel which was spake by the hand of his servant Jonah the son of Amittiah, the prophet, which was of Gath Helper. Did you know Jonah was way in there? This is the man who had to go to speak unto uh, Nineveh, remember? And he had to prophesy to Nineveh and tell them to repent. Do you know why Jonah flew, <coughs> would, would, would flee in the first place? Wasn't he didn't want to do God's will? Jonah was in the northern kingdom. And Jonah knew that if Nineveh and the people of Nineveh repented, the Lord would spare them. And if the Lord spared them, they would be prosperous and they would be strong. And there are the northern kingdom's enemies and they would come against them and wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel. I'm not going to do this. So if I don't do this and go away and get on a boat and go to Tarshish, then I'll not, they'll not repent in time and God will wipe them out. And so that's the thinking of Jonah the prophet. But the Lord, of course, we know the storm came, the great fish swallowed him, spat him up on the beach, and he says, second time, go to Nineveh. And what happened? They repented. Why? Because God had a plan for Nineveh, and God had a plan for the house of Israel. What was that? 
Nineveh was to repent and the nation over around that area would come and they would take away the house of Israel for their sin. See God's plan on it now? So God would take them away. So for example, you have, um, there's 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament, 12 minor and four major. But there's also other prophets that um, haven't got books but are in the books of the prophets. For example, Elijah, we all know Elijah. Elijah was a prophet to the northern kingdom. Elijah then prophesied to the southern kingdom. Elisha was a prophet to the northern kingdom. He never prophesied to the southern kingdom. So now you know who's prophesying to what kingdom. So Elijah, Elisha, we, we, we have here Shemaiah who went to the southern kingdom, but yet he hasn't written a book, but he's in the book. We've read about him. He goes to Rehoboam, Solomon's son, says, don't fight against him, it's off the Lord. And over in 1 Kings 11, uh, we have Ahijah in verse 29. The Shilonite found him in the way, takes his coat off him, off Jeroboam and rips his coat into 12 pieces and gives him 10, saying that's for 10 tribes and God's going to do this. So there are other prophets, but there were 12 major prophets. The major ones are, first of all, to the house or northern kingdom of Israel were Jonah, Joel, Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and Micah. Pardon me, the minor prophets are, pardon me, pardon me, 12 minor and 4 major, pardon me, Jonah, Joel, Amos, Hosea, and Micah. 12 minor, sorry, pardon me. And there's one major which is Isaiah. He also mentions the southern kingdom too. Now the southern kingdom, the prophets of Judah, uh, three minor were Nahum, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk. And Jeremiah was the major prophet to the southern kingdom. Then the house of Israel are carried away captive. There's no more prophets to them except for those who are in Judah, like Daniel praying for them in, in Daniel chapter 9, to those of Jerusalem and Judea, and to whether the Lord our God has cast away all of Israel. So there are only those that are still in the land. The other ones are now being taken away captive. For example, in the prophets of captivity, you have Daniel, who was a major prophet. You have Obadiah, who was a minor prophet. And you have Ezekiel, who was another major prophet. And then you have post-captivity, when the Jews come out from Babylon. So you have Daniel in Babylon. They're all taken away later on. Some come back to build the walls, build the temple. And you have like of Haggai, uh, Zechariah, and Malachi. And then that is the last book of your Old Testament. Now, with the southern kingdom, for example, you have Ezra and Nehemiah, right? So when the Jews come out from Babylon and they start building the temple and the walls, you have Ezra and Nehemiah. Nehemiah comes out, starts building the walls, and, and Ezra's helping to build the temple. And then they find the book of the law and they separate the peoples who have brought in their uh, strange women and strange wives, if you want, separate them off to keep the line pure. And then you have the Lord Jesus comes from that line, the line of the tribe of Judah. Is everybody with me on that? Okay. Okay. So um, I'm giving this that you'll understand when you're reading this. This is the picture, the key. This is the key. Uh, for example, if you read, so there's what's known as the amalgamation theory, but a lot of people believe that this key isn't working. Now, what I mean, what I mean is the two, the two. 
the two kingdoms have two different destinies in time and prophecy in the earth. People believe the amalgamation theory is they all got together over the years and amalgamated and became known as Jews. Now, if that's true, in the like of Ezra and Nehemiah, you'll hear of the word Israel because they're part of Israel. You hear the words Jew mentioned, or even Judah, um, Levite, because some of the Levites were there. Um, but you don't hear of one other tribe being mentioned. So you wonder where they are, wouldn't you? They're not there. You see, they're gone. So let's stick with the key. Northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Ten tribes, two tribes. Ten tribes is carried away by the Assyrians. And the ten tribes then become known as what, the, what is known as the lost ten tribes. Listen, God didn't lose them. They were lost to themselves. They became Gentiles. In other words, in their flesh they were Israel. But to their mentality, to their worship, they were paganized. And of course they started to migrate over to the west. Over to the west. And Judah was left for another 120 years. Now... When they're left 120 years, then they sin. They go into Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they come out, Ezra and Nehemiah, building the walls in the temple, and the Lord Jesus coming from that. So let's look now with this key. Let's open this a wee bit, because time's marching on. Let's open it, open it a little bit. So they're known as two nations from here on in. Two kingdoms, because there's a king in the north, and there was a king in the south. And then they become known as two sisters. Let's look at the two sisters. Jeremiah chapter 3. And then we'll go into the New Testament briefly. Is everybody with me okay? Okay. Jeremiah chapter 3. Now, let me see where I'm going to read from. Okay. Let your eye just run down to verse 6. Now remember, the house of Israel are gone. They start migrating west, going across into Europe through the Caucasus Mountains. Um, that's where the word Caucasian comes from, by the way. And notice this in verse 6. Jeremiah 3, verse 6. The Lord said unto me, in the days of Josiah the king, now this is the southern kingdom, are still in, the southern kingdom are still in, in Canaan land. This is before their captivity by Babylon. The Lord said unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, Turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister Judah, see the two of them now, the key? Israel and Judah, her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I, and I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. God divorces the northern kingdom of Israel. I'm going to, go, I'm going to show you a little bit more of this. So, so he gave her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah, the southern kingdom again, feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredoms that she defiled the land, and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister, Judah, hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly, saith the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, the backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. You know what the Lord's saying at this point? See Israel that's gone. So what happens is God in Exodus 19 marries Israel. 
he becomes their husband. She is their, his bride and then his wife, Exodus 19. Moses officiates the marriage. By this time, they're in Canaan land. In other words, the Lord takes his bride and carries her over into the home, which is Canaan land. They become adulterous. They're separated. The northern kingdom becomes so spiritually adulterous, God divorces them, sends them out. The Assyrians come, takes them away. Never returned again. The southern kingdom is Judah. And they should have known better, for they also had the prophets, but they also had the temple. They had the blood sacrifice. They had the Torah scrolls. And the Lord's saying, your treacherous, the treacherous sister Judah, even Israel's more justified than her because they knew better than her. You have the king of David's line. You're from David's seed. You have the light of the tribe of Benjamin with you. You see what, where the Lord's coming from here? And you're, you're committing adultery with me, he says. God's heart is breaking over this. He tells, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return now, backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and hath not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backsliding Israel, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. Notice, for I am married unto you. God says, I'm married to you, but you turn to me. Now, just for time's sake, read that when you go home. Verse 20. Surely as a wife treacherously departed from her husband, so have ye treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. Can you, you feel the Lord's heart in this, can't you? Pouring his heart out to them. Pouring his heart out. Let's just go into further clarification of these two sisters. Go with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 23. Ezekiel chapter 23. First one, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother. Okay, here's two women, daughters of one mother. They committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. There were their teeth pressed, and there they bruised the teeth of their virginity. And the names of them were Ahala, the elder, and Ahalibah, her sister. And they were mine, and they bare sons and daughters. Notice, thus were their names. Samaria is Ahala. Now remember where Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom. You see it all coming to pass now, all fitting in. And God called them Ahala. Notice. And Jerusalem is a Halibut, the capital of the southern kingdom. So now you see here, it's the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Ahala and Ahalibah, two sisters. And Ahala played the harlot when she was mine. No, past tense, when she was mine. And she doted on her lovers, on the Assyrians, her neighbors, which were clothed with blue and captains and rulers, all of them desirable young men with horsemen riding upon horses. And she committed whoredoms with them, with all them that were chosen men of Assyria, and with all on whom she doted, with all the idols, she defiled herself. So here's the adulterous wife. Let her I run down to verse 10. These discovered her nakedness. They took her sons and daughters and slew her with a sword. She became famous among women, for they hath executed judgment upon her. When her and when her sister Ahalibah saw this, 
She was more corrupt in her inordinate love than she, and in her whoredoms more than her sister. In her whoredoms, she doted upon the Assyrians, her neighbors. And so the Lord's starting to tell us about these two capitals or these two kingdoms, these two sisters. Do you know what a hala means? So Samaria is a hala. You know what a, a, a hala means? Why God called her that? It means she hath her own tent. She hath her own tent. What does it mean? It means that she worshipped, brought other gods into her camp. And it's like come in and a spiritual adultery. It's like a woman committing adultery in the husband. She hath her own tent. A holiba, which was Jerusalem. Do you know what that means? My tent isn't her. <laughs> My tent isn't her. What does that mean? The temple was there. That's where I met them. That's where we had close relation with each other. That's where I met my wife. That's where we were personal with one another. See what God's saying? And now she's doing the same on me. She hath her own tent, so she's kicked out. My tent's in her. God's still working with her, pleading with her. So there's two women. Um, trying to think of what way is the best because time's going we have to do another night we'll do another night in this and just bring us open this up more because you can open that's going to the New Testament then we'll open the key to some of the, the, the New Testament um, go to Matthew 21 we'll do this one Verse 28, the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and says, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain will did the will of his father, they said unto him the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Two sons, he says, go work in my vineyard. One says, I won't, but then he does. The other says, I will, but then he doesn't. Which one did right? The first one, because he ended up repenting, in other words. And what the Lord is saying, these ones who, he's speaking to those who were juries now, J-E-W-R-Y, juries in the Pharisees in the temple, and he's saying, look, these, these people are rejecting me. They're, this remnant of the house of Judah, these people are rejecting me. But my first son that I says, go into my vineyard, will now start to do the work of the vineyard. Who is the other son? The northern kingdom that was scattered. They'll go seeking them. They'll be saved. Blood washed. How? Through the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be my kingdom workers. What is it what Jesus said to the Jews? The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. People say, that's the church. The church is ecclesia. Called out ones. The word there for nation is not ecclesia. It's ethnos. The ones that you know from the same stock of Judah. Who was it? The northern kingdom. 
Jesus came and says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Other sheep of I which are not of this fold, he says in that day. What fold? The fold where he was in Judah. There's other sheep here. Who are the other sheep? Those who were gentilized. And he sends out Paul the apostle. And he sends out the other apostles looking for them. Can you see the key working now? I'll do one more quick look at a parable. And we'll finish. Is that all right? Go with me to Luke chapter 15. We all know this. Um, let's go down just to this one, the first 11. A certain man had two sons. Now we know who they are, don't we? Now when you read this, you're going to look at it differently. And the younger of them said to, the, to, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself unto a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with hus, that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough unto it? Bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell and kissed his neck, on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring in his hand and shoes in his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Notice now his elder son was in the field. And he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received received him safe and sound and he was angry and would not go in therefore came his father out and entreated him and he answering said to his father lo these many years do i serve thee neither transgressed i at any time thy commandment and yet thou never gavest me a kid that i might make merry with my friends but as soon as this thy son was come which hath devoured thy living with harlots thou hast killed him for the fatted calf and he saith unto him son thou art ever with me and all that i have is thine it was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. So the younger son is the northern kingdom. Remember, Jesus is sitting with this mindset with the people who he's before. The northern kingdom who were scattered, the lost sheep. Here Jesus is saying, I'm telling you a parable about a son, and he attaches himself to a citizen of a far country. In other words, they were mixed among the Gentiles. They were mixed among the heathen. They became like them, feeding the swine until they had nothing left to show of their inheritance. They had nothing left of their identity, who, who they were. Totally lost. But God knew who they were. That's the difference. God knew who we were. And notice here, 
What he's saying is he comes to himself, comes back to God, and there is reconciliation with the father. Now, what is happening is he takes the picture of the father calf as being that the sacrifice of himself through the sacrifice of Christ. Through the joy in the kingdom of God and the father's kingdom, the father's house, music and dancing. Because the son was dead. Paul says you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. Notice, and he quickens you. Isn't that right? The Holy Ghost quickens you. You're dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians chapter 2. And he quickens you to behold the Lamb of God. What do we do? We come back to our Father, as it were. We get saved, and we are now in the Father's kingdom. What's the robe? A robe of righteousness. Marriage to the be of the bride. Uh, that's the wedding that's coming at the coming of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And then again, when we look at it, we see that he has shoes on his feet, that we will walk in righteousness before him. And he says, rejoice with me because he was lost. Who's the elder brother? The elder brother was due to the southern kingdom. And the Jews, had the, they had the temple. They had sacrifice. They had the scrolls, the Torah. They had it all. He says, you had everything. What, you've done nothing with it. You've done nothing with it. But now this one here has come to me. He was lost and he's found. See how it makes sense now? Maybe next week, rich man and Lazarus is the same. I know people talk about it, it shows hell and, you know, and flames that being in torment, he lifts up his eyes. And really, that, people argue, is it, was it a real happening? I believe, by the way, in a hellfire. Don't get me wrong, a lake of fire. But that is another parable again. That's a parable of the two houses. See the key it's opening them. Once you get the key, you can open them up and look at them. So we'll look at it, God willing, next week. There'll be two men. And we can look at some Old Testament parables of maybe the, the potter, the potter's house. You can look at how the broken pottery. You can see how Ezekiel was told, or the prophet was told to lie upon his side for the house of Israel and lie upon his side for other days for the house of Judah. There's all these sort of things you can look at and then you'll find it all coming to pass and it all comes together in the New Testament. Shows our salvation and redemption. God bless his word to us tonight.